Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Monday episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you're listening today, it is uploaded February 26th. Yeah, flip the calendar. Episode number 1,534. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one name! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! 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 Hi, I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Oh, that's what I'm doing on this episode. I'm going insane, and somebody who's already insane is right to my left. You don't know how much I've missed all of you, and I promise you I'll never desert you again. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. Camera's going in for its close-up of Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I thought we had to talk about this. Don't... No, come on. Not, none of the scary stuff when the lights are out. Kind of, Because we do have the studio dimmed down as we record this very early in the morning. I don't mean it's dimmed down because Kimmy's in here. <laughs> I, mean, I mean the lighting is dim because... Yeah, I would just uh, have a you know nice ambiance you know, uh-huh. going on thing here, sort of like Venus Flytrap did on the old WKRP episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because we have to be in the special mindset because it is a Monday. Just another manic Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's my Monday. I don't have to run day. Just another. Today's not really a manic Monday for you, but if it is, we're here to add some, well, you know, a stress-free time. That's what we're here for, right, Kimmy? Uh-huh. Uh, we are pop culture escapism. That's what the Riley and Kimmy show is all about. Please help the show grow. Tell your friends to like our Facebook page and other social media, and be sure to check us out every single day. Brand new episode all revolving around the world of pop culture with a heavy emphasis on nostalgia and retro. You can listen to The Riley and Kimmy Show anywhere on planet Earth. We have platforms available like iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud on our website. Also archived episodes of The Riley and Kimmy Show all the way back to number one. Celebrity interviews we've done, pop culture information, and our social media links like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all that available on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy show.
The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is a big question on a Monday. Is Kimmy's brain functioning? It is Monday. Does she have Monday-itis or not? Can she play a game of pop culture trivia? What say you, Kimmy? Hmm, let's give it a shot. All right, the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it is not in chronological or linear order. So Kimmy needs your help. She actually believes in time travel answers, so whisper to, shout out, yell at, talk to nicely, whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now, and it could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. She actually believes those answers will come to her. She is in your past. You are in her future. First question we have for you, Kimmy. It was on this date. Now we're looking for. Uh, let's see. We'll we'll give you a three-year plus or minus. Apple announces that the iTunes Store had surpassed Best Buy to become the second largest music seller in the United States. What year did this happen? Two thousand nine. We gave you a three-year buffer, correct? You get it. It was two thousand eight. Can you tell me who, at that time, the number one seller of music was? I don't know. Walmart. Year's 2008. Well, he didn't exactly put a needle on the record. It was on this date. Capitol Records released the first four Beatles albums on CD. This is the first time any Beatles albums went on CD. What year, Kimmy, did the Beatles go on CD for the very first time? We are giving you a plus or minus of five. 1990? You get it within that range of five. It was 1987 when that happened. Next question we have for you, staying in the world of music. Billboard magazine reported that the 45 RPM single format was outselling 78 records for the first time. When did this happen within five years? 1955? Wow. Did you? How do you know that? That's exactly right. Did somebody shout really? that out to you? Or Are you a time traveler? Wow. How did you know that, Kimmy? I just popped in my head. Were you frozen in time and you were thawed out not, you know, when I met you? Are no. you come on. How did you know that? I, I don't know how you know. Now, I know some collectors that would know that, but that totally surprises me. Now, let's see how good your ear is, Kimmy. In 1965... This individual releases his first solo single. It does not chart. He's best known as a guitarist and producer for a major rock band. Years 1965. This is before that band does any chart action or touring. He's on his own. Tell me who it is. It's an instrumental, and it's titled She Just Satisfies. Any clue who that is, Kimmy? Wow. No idea. Well, guitarist and producer for Led Zeppelin. Does that help you? Who is it? Jimmy Page. You've heard of him, haven't you? Mm Mm-hmm. 
The year is 1970. This group's album comes out, and it has the song Hey Jude on it. Can you tell me the name of the band? The Beatles. That's correct. It was on this date, 1975. A divorce becomes final for these two. Tell me who it is. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Well, the beat didn't go on. Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Um, that is Sonny and Cher. You're scaring me there. It took you a little bit of time to respond there. Are you okay? Are you feeling all right? Uh huh. You sure? Is Mondayitis kicking in or something? Oh, just ADHD. Oh, I didn't know you were that. Is there, do you do you need any pill? You know, a little blue pill or anything? Oh, I'll be okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Are you doing focus? Are you doing focus, a Jar Jar Binks focus. thing? Or are you? Boomerfish. That's what you're doing on me. All right. The year, Kimmy, is what we're looking for. You have a plus or minus of one year. One year. No, that's what your margin of error is. This individual's album goes number one and stays number one for 37 weeks. Tell me the name of the album. Here's the title track from that album. That, you know, that gives you the answer. Tell me who it is, what it is, all that. Here's your clue. What is the name of the album, Kimmy? Thriller. The Thriller. <laughs> and whose album is it? Michael Jackson. What year? Plus or minus of one year? 1983. You are... Exactly right. The year is 1985. This recording artist receives a Lifetime Achievement Grammy. Who is it? Up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. Who is it, Kimmy? Chuck Berry. You're right. The year is 1987. This NBA player scores 58 points in one game for the Chicago Bulls. It's a Chicago Bulls record. Who is it? 1987. Michael Jordan. You're right, Kimmy. The year is 2002. This recording artist's third album comes out. Here's one of the singles from it. Tell me who it is. Clean. It peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. It was off that album called Under Rug Swept. Who is the recording artist, Kimmy? Alanis Morissette. Whoa! You are a freak. We didn't expect you to get that one, Kimmy. She's got a pretty distinctive voice. Well, obviously, you were able to get that one, considering it didn't chart super, super high. Mm -hmm. Next Individual 2013 had a single. It was released on this date. Tell me who it is, Kimmy. Here's your clue. Now you've been talking Tell me that you've had enough 
2013. That single came out. Just give me a reason. Who is it? Pink. Yes, Kimmy got that right. Moving to celebrity and notable birthdays. Tell me, Kimmy, who this is. Born on this date, 1802. Author known for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He wrote it in 1831. That's when it was published. Who is the author? Kimmy, that was born on this date. Robert Louis Stevenson. Least she took a guess. It's Victor Hugo, born on this date, 1802. Next person, born 1829, businessman, founded the first company to manufacture blue jeans, and they still make blue jeans under his name today. Known for those, uh, those, uh, you know, rivets in the jeans. Can you tell me his name? Levi Strauss. You got it right, 1829. Next individual. I've got my saddle. Next person was a cowboy and gave a show about cowboys. His name, Buffalo Bill Cody, born on the state 1846, big-time showman. Matter of fact, took the Wild West show over to England, introducing people to American culture, uh, or maybe a certain type of perceived culture at that time period. Not saying it was an accurate show. Don't know. Haven't seen any uh, YouTube videos of that one. Gimme next person born 1887, known for a couple of TV shows. One of the TV shows he's known for is this one. Can you tell me the name of the show? My Three Sons. He played on that show, and he played on this one. Identify the show. I Love Lucy. All right, tell me the actor born on this date, 1887. How about $10? What was the matter with $10? Don't look at me. Ask Ethel. What do I care what kind of clothes I wear just to fix the plumbing? Besides, these remind me of the days when I was a gay young blade. (laughs) While strolling through the park one day. He played Fred Mertz on I Love Lucy. He played Bub, the grandfather, on My Three Sons. Who is it? Ooh, I can't think of his name. Give me his name flashed on the screen. William Frawley, born on the state 1887, died 1966 at the age of 79, was kicked out of basically My Three Sons because they wouldn't insure him anymore because of failing health. That is why William Demarest was brought in as Uncle Charlie. Going to Forgotten Hollywood, that's a category I've created for some, unfortunately, that aren't remembered anymore or not many remember them. 1912, Dane Clark was born, an American actor. Clark supported Betty Davis and Glenn Ford in A Stolen Life in 1946, was promoted to top billing for Her Kind of Man in 1946. He followed it with That Way with Women in 1947, Deep Valley in 47, and Embraceable You in 1948. That's Dane Clark, born on this date, 1912. Next person, Kimmy, tell me the TV show he is known for. What is the name of that show, Kimmy? The Honeymooners? 
Tell me, who was born on this date, Kimmy? Here's your clue. All I have to do is just be a little firm with her and show her who's boss. There's one thing I don't want you to forget, Norton. I am the king in my castle. The king, Norton. I rule my kingdom. Alice is just a mere peasant girl. Just a servant to do my bidding. I snap my fingers and she jumps. I'm the king. The king of my castle. I'm just like Richard the Lionhearted. I rule with a lion hand. Who is it, Kimmy? Jackie Gleason. Yes, born 1916, died 1987 at the age of 71. Next person, actor of film, but known for a certain TV show. Kimmy, tell me the name of the TV show. The Odd Couple. He played on the television version of The Odd Couple. Tell me who it is, born on this date, 1920. You insensitive clod! Don't you realize what you've done? This is the worst night of my life. I've been humiliated in front of the whole world. I'm a laughing stock. Everybody we know was watching that show. I didn't tell anybody to watch. I did. I thought you were going to do some simple, harmless routine about your filthy habits. You said you tore me to pieces. That was so cruel of you, Oscar. The phone's been ringing off the hook. There it goes again. No, don't answer. I can't stand another one of my fans. I'm going to have to get an unlisted number because of you. An exterminator called. I wanted to give me a job. You got to name a detergent after me. An old man out in Long Island wants me to come out and bathe him. You've humiliated me. The whole world thinks I'm a neurotic madman, and I'm going to kill you for that. Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Tony Randall. Yes, born in the state, 1920, died 2004 at the age of 84. That is one of my favorite episodes of The Odd Couple. He encourages Oscar to go on a show like Carson, and Oscar starts talking about him, <laughs> and basically gives you know just the whole what what Oscar's life is like with with him. It's fantastic. Also, another very good episode is with Frank Oz, who does the voice of. Fozzie Bear and Yoda. He appears as a radio station manager and, matter of fact, the boss of of Oscar Madison. And Felix decides to help Oscar's radio show, and it's uh, it, it's it's fun. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. That's one really to uh, check out if you have the opportunity. And of course, the film will success spoil Rock Hunter, one of my favorites of all time, 1957. Tony Randall acting with Jane Mansfield. It's it's a trip. It's on this date, Kimmy, 1928. This individual was born a recording artist, one of the pioneers of rock and roll music. He sold more than 65 million records. And between 1955 and 1960, he had 11 top 10 hits. Who is it? I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. Who is that? Fats Domino. Yes, passed away last year at the age of 80. Nine and many music experts think he would have been bigger if he hadn't been so shy. He mm. they say he was so humble and so shy. Just you know, there wasn't a big machine behind him promoting him. They said he he possibly or very easily could have been even bigger. Next individual born on this date, Kimmy, recording artist and actor, but known more for singing and television personality. Born on this date, 1932, tell me who it is. Ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. 
I went down, 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 and the flames went higher, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Who was born 1932, Gimme? Johnny Cash. That's right. Died 2003 at the age of 71. And you realize he did a lot of pop culture TV shows. He was in the Partridge Family, an episode of that in 1970. He was on Sesame Street four times as himself from 1973 to 1992. My favorite, though, that he appeared on is Columbo in 1974. He plays a, a singer and pilot and murderer. And I'm surprised he actually did the role because he's a nasty guy in that episode of Columbo. It's fantastic seeing him act with Peter Falk and how Columbo captures him or catches him. And he was on other things as well, including Little House on the Prairie and The Muppet Show and Saturday Night Live in 1982. He was there as well. Next individual, tell me who it is. Kimmy, born on this date. He was part of a band that had his name attached to it, had a hit, big one, 1966, number four on the charts. Devil with a blue dress on. Who is it, Kimmy? Who was born on this date? Oh. The name of the band was the uh, Detroit Wheels. Blank Detroit Wheels and the Detroit Wheels. I can't do it. Once again, we prove that Kimmy never listened to the oldie stations that I worked at. That's Mitch Ryder, born on this date, 1945. Next person, a singer who has sold more than 75 million records, recording eight top ten albums and two number one singles on the Billboard charts. He also was a winner of six American Music Awards and two Grammy Awards. Tell me who's having a birthday and how old he is within five years. Here's your clue. Who is it? Who's having a birthday today? Michael Bolton. Yes. How old is he within five years? 60. He is 65 today. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people who passed away on this date in history. The year is 1997. This actor dies at the age of 67. Known for a popular TV show in the 1970s. Tell me the TV show. Charlie's Angels. He appeared on Charlie's Angels. Tell me who it is, Kimmy. Okay, okay, just hold on. I'll run a DMV, mate. Paradise Massage. Your body in our hands is money in the bank. Uh, just let me grasp this. You mean that you three will be frolicking about at some spa, shirking your responsibilities while I am here, sweating over a hot set of bookkeeping ledgers? Ah, uh, uh, Kelly, you know that Charlie does not like to answer personal questions. Kimmy, can you tell me who that is? David Doyle. That's scary. And can you tell me the name of the character he played on Charlie's Angels? Bosley. Yes, John Bosley. He's also known for being the voice of the character Grandpa Pickles on Rugrats. Now, maybe you've heard folks saying he's not real. Just a fairy tale. Well, it ain't the truth. St. Nick is as real as you or me. 
That's right. I've seen him with my own two eyes. Really? Yep. And here's the point of my story. You see, Santa may be old, but he's as sharp as a toothpick. And if you've been bad, you don't get that special doll you wanted or that fine-looking electric train. <gasps> Instead, you get a great big ugly lump of coal. Of course, none of this applies to any of you sprats. You've all been good as gold. Yeah, Grandpa Pickle's a really nice guy, huh? Mm. Yeah, David Doyle. Yeah, a little uh, tribute there. Passed away on this date in 1997 at the age of 67. Next person known for this TV show, Kimmy. Tell me the TV show. Let's see if Kimmy knows this television show. Can you identify it? The People's Court. That's correct. He's known for the People's Court. Tell me who passed away on this date. I know you've all been sworn. I've read your complaint, uh, gentlemen. You claim the defendant uh, obtained a color slide from your movie and used it in his. The facts in this case are like a jigsaw puzzle. Who passed away on this date? 2017, Kimmy. Judge Wapner. Yes. How old was he within five years? 85? Judge Joseph Wapner was 97 when he passed away, 2017 on this date. Wow. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Monday. Thank you. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on trivia with the golden age of radio. mentioned just moments ago, actor Dane Clark, born on this date in 1912. Besides film, he was also known for the golden age of radio. He played Peter Chambers in a short-lived radio show called Crime and Peter Chambers. We have two of those episodes back-to-back uninterrupted for your listening pleasure. First one's called Cemetery Attack, and it's followed by Nursemaid to Three Beautiful Women. These are fantastic episodes, rarely heard. Kicking off our tribute to Dane Clark, here's Cemetery Attack on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Crime and Peter Chambers. Created by Henry King. Transcribed and starring Dane Clark. A private investigator, duly licensed and duly sworn. Peter Chambers. You're a private eye. That's your business. Anything else? That's for laughs. There are no laughs in this one, not unless you're a ghoul. Because you're strolling in a graveyard at midnight. You're walking in a cemetery out on Long Island. That's the job of work you're being paid for. You've got a package in your left hand and a flashlight in your right. Your imagination is starting to do nip-ups when you get an interruption. Put out the flashlight. Uh, uh, yes, sir. 
Now reach back and hand me that package. Well, you're supposed to give me the word. Word? Well, them's my instructions, pal. A real melodramatic bit. You're supposed to say a name. Abner Reed. Well, that's the jackpot answer. Reach and grab your prize. And notice, please, I've still got my head turned. And it better stay that way if you don't want holes in it. And you stay the way you are for the next five minutes. But you don't stay the way you are for the next five minutes for two reasons. One, five minutes in a graveyard is like, say, five years on the French Riviera. And two, you're blessed or is it cursed with a large lump of curiosity. So you turn and you don't turn a moment too soon because you drop. You look to where Mr. Invisible disappeared, but you don't try to go after him because he's gone. And all the way back to town, you ponder about why the guy took pot shots at you. You didn't see him. He made sure you didn't. So why the extra precaution of a spray of bullets? Well, he missed you, so you shrug it off, and pretty soon you're in town at the fancy Fifth Avenue mansion of Mrs. Abner Reed. Well, back so soon, Mr. Chambers. Mission accomplished, m'lady. Come in. Please come in, sir. Mrs. Abner Reed, born Florence Fleetwood Lovejoy, thrice married and rolling, you should pardon the expression, in mucho dinero, worth maybe 25 million bucks and reputed to be stingy about the whole thing. Here's your fee, Mr. Chambers, as per agreement. $1,000. Thank you, ma'am. And now, may I know what it's all about? You know what was in that package? <laughs> Goulash for ghosts. $250,000. What? A quarter of a million dollars. Uh, look, Mrs. Reed, you have a reputation for being, well, eccentric, but business transactions in the middle of the night in a graveyard... That That's... wasn't exactly a business transaction, Mr. Chambers. Well, what then? It was a delivery of ransom money. What? You mean I'm mixed up in some kind of a cockeyed kidnapping? Not exactly mixed up. You were an instrument of delivery. A chore for which you've just been paid. The police know about this? Not yet. Not yet? When do you expect to inform them? Tomorrow morning. Look, what happened here? Well, last night, my husband stepped out for a newspaper. Huh? He, he didn't return for, for two hours. Naturally, I was perturbed. Well, naturally. I thought, well, perhaps he'd stepped into a tavern for a drink. But then I got a phone call. He'd been slugged, rendered unconscious, and kidnapped. Well, how can you be sure? There was no doubt. It was he himself who was talking to me, with a gun pointed at his head. I see. I was told they'd call back this morning, and they did. Would you be able to recognize the voice? They're too smart for that. They put him back on the phone. Oh. The arrangements were made, and then came the question as to who would make the delivery. You're very well known, Mr. Chambers, and yours is an excellent reputation. Well, thank you. They're supposed to return him to me during this night. Quarter of a million dollars. I'm regarded as, a, well, a, a rather frugal person, but this is different. We've only been married six months, and I believe you know from the newspapers, my husband is 20 years younger than I am. Uh, yes, uh, Abner Reed, I read about it. And I suppose you want me to clear out of here. Frankly, I do. But you are going to the cops with this. Definitely, tomorrow morning, whether he's returned to me or not. At least then I'll know that I've done what I could to affect his release. 
They warned me that I was being watched. That if I called in the police, they'd... They'd kill him. Easy, easy does it, Mrs. Reed. Easy, easy. (laughs) Good night and thanks. So you go home. You feel sorry for the old gal with the young husband. You think she's nuts not to contact cops, but you can't creep into another person's soul. You go home and you have a bit of scotch and you chase it with another bit of scotch. You've had a tough evening and you're ready to wrap up this day and put it to bed when... In the middle of the night, you've got a caller. That's the life of a private eye, about as much privacy as a parakeet in a kindergarten. But it can always be a client. Somebody's turned off the car to lights, and it's pitch black out there. And suddenly, the blackness is punctuated with blazes of light. Oh, oh, oh. You're hit. And you don't know how bad. You get... To the phone. Oh. Hello? Oh, operator? A hospital? A hospital? Emergency? You're under sedatives for a day while they probe for the bullets. Then you're sitting up in the hospital bed raring to go. But they tell you five days, five days before they'll let you out of there. And then you get a caller, amiable but worried looking. Hi, Detective. Hey, you coming around real good. Hi, Lieutenant. What brings you? As if you didn't know. He stares down at you. Detective Lieutenant Parker, New York City Police. Stern, square, and a friend. That Abner Reed shindig. I hear you were an innocent bystander in the cemetery. Did they return the guy? Yeah. None the worse for his experience. Newspapers got it yet? No, we're trying to work it through before it gets any publicity. Well, what kind of a guy is he, this Abner Reed? Oh, nice enough kid. He used to be a dancing instructor. That's how he met the lady with the bucks. Oh. She been liberal with him? Mm, liberal as she can be, I suppose. Rich, but plenty tightwad, that one. What did he do for amusement before uh, before he got married? He ran around a lot. Nightclub stuff and things. Handsome kid. Figures for a lot of gals. Why this uh, line of questioning? I'm trying to get an idea as to his background. If it was hard guys that he used to run around with, it might clue us to the brains behind this snatch. It's all been done, my lad. And what uh, we've come up with is a large selection of zeros. Now, uh, <clears throat> let's hear your story, huh? You give it to him. The whole deal and his face furrows up as he ponders it. (laughs) What makes you a target, Pete? I wish I knew. First the attempt at the cemetery, then the attack at your apartment. You sure you told me everything? Everything I know, Louis. But I'm going to know more. Somebody sets me up as a clay pigeon. Then it becomes my job to find out who's taking target practice. Any objections, Lieutenant, to my sticking my nose into it? <laughs> As if my objections could keep you out. Thanks, pal. Okay, then I'll beat it now. You get your rest. But remember, when they let you out of here, we work this one together, huh? Sure enough, Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. 
Anger and well-being seem to run hand in hand, and as your health improves, so your anger mounts. By the time you're out of the hospital, you're tense as a piano wire and fit to bust wide open. You run around and ask questions. You see Mrs. Reed several times. The husband's in Bermuda recuperating, but Parker's interviewed him time and again and has squeezed every possible fact out of him. And now the husband's back in town, but you're not wasting your time there anymore. Parker's an expert, and Parker's already wrung him dry. So now you're sitting in your office and thinking about your next move. And then your next move is made for you. Oh? Chambers? Peter Chambers? Yeah, this is he. My name is Sandra Mantell. I live at 1786 East 54th Street, apartment 2, downstairs. Yes, Miss Mantell. Okay, I want to talk to you about a kidnapping. Hmm? The kidnapping of Abner Reed. What? What's that? I'm involved in it. It was my idea, really. I dreamed it up. What? I was supposed to get a third, one-third share. But I'm not getting it, so I want to talk. Yes, yes, Sandra. I want you to make a deal for me, Mr. Chambers. If I spill, I want to be able to cop a plea. If I turn in that, that state's evidence, I want a suspended sentence. But why are you calling me? Because I know you're mixed up in it. Because I want you to go to the cops and tell them I'll spill the whole deal. Nobody's going to cross me and get away. Hello? 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 The address she gave you is near, near enough. You slam out of the office and you run all the way, and then you're there, apartment two. And you're in the presence of death, a blonde with blood on her face. But there's another blonde standing by, and this one's very much alive. (laughs) Who are you? Peter, Peter Chambers. Now, this girl was talking to me when that happened. You, you didn't do it, did you? No, no. Who are you? Betty, Betty Royal. My name's Betty Royal. I, I'm her roommate. I've, I've only been her roommate for a week. Did you call the cops? Yes. Yes, I phoned. <laughs> a well-stacked blonde. A beautiful blonde, a live one. The dead one must have been pretty, too. You prowl around and you see the gun on the floor. You see that the receiver's back on the hook, too. But that figures. Betty Royal said she called the cops. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. Wait, 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 wait. Let me ask the questions, Miss Royal. Now, that gun on the floor, is that yours? No, 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 it's not mine. I found it. Easy, easy, does it? Easy. Just tell me. Tell me what happened. I I was coming back from rehearsal. Yeah? I'm a ballet dancer. And and as I came into the hallway, I I heard the shots. I hurried forward. The door opened, and a, a man came running out. We bumped into each other, and that's when the gun dropped to the floor. He struck me and ran out. What did he look like? I have no idea. I came in and I found her. Like that. <laughs> she was dead. And then? I, I went out in the hall for the gun. I remembered about not touching things. Fingerprints. I, I kicked it with my foot. I kicked it along until I worked it into the apartment. Good girl. Then, then I picked up the dangling receiver and I called the police. <laughs> she's in tears again. And you go to her and you hold her. And she's a cuddly little package. And you think about how sweet this could be under different circumstances. Cops. Lots of cops. Tons of cops. And they're in charge of Detective Lieutenant Louis Parker. Never fails, huh? When there's a corpse, there's you. It's mixed up with the other thing, Lieutenant. What other thing? 
You straighten them out on current events, from the phone call in your office to right now. You wearing a gun, Pete? Yeah, yeah. Good. Now listen to me. For once, will you listen to me? Don't I always listen, Lieutenant? Okay. There's some kind of crazy killer loose, right? Right. And he's mixed up with that Abner Reed snatch, right? Right as rain, Lieutenant. And you're still unfinished business on his list, right? Right as a real down. So for go Louise. home, go home and lock the door. You stay there. Now, what are you going to do in the meantime? I'm going to work at my trade. But I'll come up and see you, Pete, as soon as I get loose from all this, and then we'll knock it around some more. But don't open your door to anybody but me. So you go home. You're a good little boy, and you've listened to Papa. You sit around like an old lady with lumbago. But you sit. You do some home cooking and some home drinking. But you sit. Finally, at two in the morning. Who is it? Who is Parker? Oh. Bit of the cup that cheers, Lieutenant? Yeah, I can use a little cheer. There you are. Thank you. It's the right spot. Well, look, let's get down to Cases, Lieutenant. Ah, there's my boy, always in there pitching. Cases, Louis. Well, Petey boy, that gun on the floor was the murder gun. Good. And we've got a gorgeous set of fingerprints off it. Only prints on it, as a matter of fact. Good. So, now we come to the catch. There's got to be a catch. The prints match nothing that we've got on file. Don't match anything out of Washington. Where's that leave us? Way out in left field on a rainy day, but there's no ball game. Guess who is her boyfriend? Guess who whose boyfriend? The dead doll? That's Sandra Mantell. Oh, by the way, you know what her business was? I don't know nothing. Pooch dancer, burlesque. Pretty good at it, too. I'm thrilled. Now, who's the boyfriend? Nicky Darrell. What? Nicky Darrell. Oh, that was a rhetorical what, Lieutenant. It was a what of amazement, a what of astonishment, a what of shock. Okay, all right, stop picking Nicky on me. Nicky Darrell, huh? Well, don't you call that a lead? We had him in. We questioned him. We did the fingerprint bit. Total reaction negative. We had to release him. What time is it? It's, uh, 2.30 in the morning. Let's get out of here. Out. Where are you going? Work. You? I'm going to sleep. Pete? Yes, Lieutenant. Be careful. Nicky Darrow, a hoodlum with big ideas. Ex-gunman, ex-con, ex-crook. Gone real respectable now. Owner of a fancy saloon. Caterer to cafe society, big wheel with the theatrical folk. But way down deep under, deadly is a two-headed rattlesnake bent on mischief. You get to Nick's place, which is hopping, and you jostle through the happy people to Nick. Well, the private eyeball, long time no seesaw. Can I talk to you, Nicky? Sure, talking with you. Nicky's liable to get educated. <laughs> he's big, he's arrogant, he's power drunk. He leads you through to the back and he sits you down. There you are, Pelzo. Real nice and comfortable. Have a drink, huh? At a house. Okay? Thanks, Nicky. Waiter, a couple of drinks here. Scotch for the eyeball. That's his drink, Scotch. Was it tickling your pal? That kind of tickling, you can die laughing. What are you talking about? Bullets. You on my back, Nicky. Me? I don't even know what you're beginning to think you want to talk about. Somebody's blowing spitballs at me, Nicky. Any idea who? No, sir. I got no idea who. No how. Good enough. Now we shift the gear. Girlfriend of yours died today of unnatural causes. Yeah, so I hear. Any ideas on that? Like uh, who done it? No, but I'm going to find out, pal. This is one time I'm working on your side. Okay, now we shift to high. 
You beginning to stick your dirty mitts into kidnapping, too? Talk nice, Tanicky. I talk the way I want to talk, to whom I want to talk. <laughs> You're a sweetheart kind of guy, a lot of guts. I like a guy with a lot of guts. The answer is no. No to what? Have a little sense, pal. The snatch racket is out for any guy with brains. There's easier ways to turn a buck. That's all. Bye now, Nicky. Live it up. Have fun, big shot. Hey, there's drinks coming. We'll skip it this trip. So you're back where you started, fresh out of Leeds. And it goes on like that for the next few days. Long days, lumpy ones, slow moving. And you're wearing your hardware and you're turning to look over your shoulder wherever you are. You've called on Betty Royal a few times and you like that. You like that very much. And now you're calling on her again for no reason at all except uh, that you like that very much. But you find her breathless with excitement. I found something, Mr. Chambers. I think it could be important. Pete, Pete, not Mr. Chambers. Pete, remember? Yes, Peter. A little black book. It, it belongs to... Well, it belonged to Sandra. She must have put it into my bag by mistake, and that bag's been in my locker at rehearsal hall. Let's see it. A little black book with a lot of names, and not one that means anything to you. But they may mean a lot to Parker, so... You latch on to the lovely Betty Royal, who's as lovely and as regal as her name, and off you go, a chattering twosome, downtown to police headquarters, downtown to Detective Lieutenant Parker. And you barge in without knocking because you think you've got right. Only to find that he's got company, so you start backing out again. Come in, come in, Pete, Miss Royal. Thank you kindly, Governor. Thank you. Company's a tall young man with a bruiser's shoulders and an angel's face. Lieutenant Parker, I found a little black book. I found it in my locker. It, it, it doesn't belong to me. Mistaken uh, bags. It, it's Sandra's. Sa Sandra Mantel's. This, this I've, I've... is the little black book, Lieutenant. Yes. Prattling is God's given right to a beautiful girl. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, by the way, let me introduce Abner Reed. I don't think you two have ever met. Uh, Abner Reed, Peter Chambers, Miss Betty Royal. Oh, how, how do you do? How do you do? Glad to know you. Well, Lieutenant, as we were saying... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Situation... What did you say your name was? I just told you. I'm asking him. Come on, fella, keep talking. What did you say your name was? My name? As the lieutenant told you, Abner Reed. Abner Reed, of course. You jump him right away. You don't wait. He's big and you want the first punch. And you get the first punch in, but he takes it standing up and lets do a few of his own. All right, stop it. Break it up. What the devil's going on here? You slip by a couple of his lefts and then he's wide open and you come up with one off the floor and he catches it clean on the button. And now he's down and out. And he'll stay out until someone brings him to. You're crazy, man. That's assault and battery. You're, you're going to do time, fella. Yeah. Boy, you really flipped your wig this time. Here, let me help you. Stay me. away from him. Now, look, Peter. Look, you and I, Lieutenant, we've thrown a lot of questions around. There's a couple of answers coming up right now. Like what? Like why I was shot at at the graveyard and shot up in my apartment. Like why Sandra Mantell was killed. Like why she called me in the first place. Like why that gun has fingerprints. Easy, easy, easy. One at a time. Oh, huh? Let's take the last one first. Fingerprints on a gun. Yeah. A guy dropping it when he collides with a dame. Panicking, running out, leaving it there. Does that sound professional? Not especially. Well, a rule's out a pro. What is a rule in? An amateur. So? So let's do it right side up now. Now, here's a guy, Abner Reed. He married a large hunk of dough. 
But he can't reach too much of it because she's frugal. So? So at the suggestion of a friend of his, Miss Sandra Mantell, and you'll find, I'm sure, with a good deal of digging, that those two had a close sub-rosa association. Well, never I... mind what I'll find out. Let's get this over with first. On her suggestion, they figured out a beauty. The guy kidnapped himself. Remember Mrs. Reed talked in the alleged ransom discussions to nobody but him on the phone? Yes, yeah. He knew the old dame. She'd pay and play ball, which she did. But why? Why were you attacked there in the cemetery? Because Reed didn't want any remnants hanging around. But, Pete, how did you tab him so quick? He never bothered to disguise his voice in the graveyard. He figured to leave me there for dead, and this was the first time I've heard it since. So he punches bullets at you in your apartment, and that time he almost made it. And then, then when, when he wouldn't divide with Sandra, she decided <laughs> Everybody's, she... everybody's a detective. Although you're 100% right, Betty Lass. She called me, knew where to call me, because she was in it from the very beginning. He caught her in the act and uh, finished her off. And if you will kindly use the fingers of that comatose gentleman for the purpose of making fingerprint impressions, I don't have a doubt in the world what you'll find. <laughs> So, one hour later, Abner Reed is booked for murder and extortion. And you're strolling in the joyful sunshine with Betty Royal clinging to your arm tightly and proudly. And what prettier termination can there be to so unfortunate a circumstance as murder? And there you've had crime and Peter Chambers. Dane Clark was starred as Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers, transcribed, was created, produced, and written by Henry Kane. Others in the cast were Bill Zuckert, heard as Lieutenant Parker, with Evelyn Barden, Patricia Wheel, and Roger DeCoven. It was directed by Fred Way. This is Fred Collins inviting you to tune in next week, same time, same station, for Dane Clark in Crime and Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers. Created by Henry Kane, transcribed and starring Dane Clark. Private investigator, duly licensed and duly sworn, Peter Chambers. You're a private eye. That's your business. Anything else? That's for laughs. Laughs? This one figures for more laughs than a bull session at a bachelor dinner. You're being retained to play nursemaid to three of the most beautiful girls in the world. And for that, you're being paid. The lady at your office is Miss Matilda Cragg, battle axe type and built like a fire hydrant. Your fee, then, is $500. Yes, Miss Cragg. And you understand that I represent Mr. Byron Thorndyke? Yes, Miss Cragg. And you understand that Mr. Thorndyke is the Mr. Thorndyke, Byron Thorndyke Model Agency? Yes, Miss Cragg. And you know why you're being retained? Well, of course, Miss Cragg. Then uh, let's go over it again. Again, Miss Cragg? Young man. My dear young man. Yes, Miss Cragg. Uh, can't you... Isn't it possible... Won't you please call me Matilda? Uh, with all my heart, Matilda... 
There now, that's much better. So much less businesslike, less formal. Uh, well then, uh, let's get on. All right, here goes. Every big city and most every big country has been running a beauty contest. Then all of them competed in an elimination contest in Los Angeles, and three were chosen. Correct. Miss Madrid, Miss Paris, and Miss Brooklyn. And these three are now here in New York for the finals tomorrow. And one of the three is to be crowned Miss Universe. Prize, $50,000 in cash and a Hollywood contract. And Byron Thorndike is to be sole judge. And I am here as chaperone for the young ladies. Mr. Thorndike has taken a lovely house on Sutton Place with a lovely garden and a lovely view. Oh, the East River in the summertime. Yeah, um... The vast bridges. Yes, Miss Grant, Their uh, lights strung across yeah, the water Yeah, 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 like... all right, all right, all right. Uh, something, Mr. Chambers? Matilda, let's get back to cases. Uh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, now, uh, you're to be there tonight at midnight. Because the money transport company is going to deliver 50,000 cash bucks to Thorndike at a quarter to 12. And you're to serve as bodyguard. You will come armed, of course. Oh, of course, Miss Matilda. And you will stay with Mr. Thorndike until tomorrow afternoon. And then you will remain with whatever young lady wins the prize until the money is safely deposited in a bank. Miss Madrid, a brunette, is Lola Granada. Uh-huh. Miss Paris, a redhead, is Louise Dupre. Uh-huh. And Miss Brooklyn, a blonde, is Joan Hallam. Yikes. Now, Mr. Chambers, I want you to remember... It's the longest day of your life, as what day wouldn't be when at the end of the rainbow you're scheduled to meet, you hope, uh, Miss Madrid, Miss Paris, and Miss Brooklyn. Anyway, comes midnight and you're all dolled up in your summer finery, if one will forgive the slight bulge for gun and holster, and you're at the house on Sutton Place, and you've got your finger on the buzzer. Well, Peter Chambers, boy detective. I was told you'd be due here, so I opened the door for you myself. Say, what are you staked out here for, Louie? Assistant judge in a beauty contest? I don't think that contest's coming off, Pete. It's been canceled on account of the unexpected advent of a corpse. Detective Lieutenant Louis Parker. Homicide, New York City Police. Straight cop and good friend. He leads you through a corridor that opens upon a massive living room, and there, in a chair with his back to the entrance, Byron Thorndike, very dead. A knife crammed between his shoulder blades. Parker's men are doing their jobs. Photo guys, fingerprint guys, the works. Real nice, huh? Yeah. Byron Thorndike with a knife in his back. When did you get the call, Louis? About ten minutes ago. Who found him? The chaperone, that uh, Matilda Cragg. Mm, where's she? Right now, in a hospital. Hospital? Oh, wait a minute, Pete. My boys are finished here. Yeah. Yes, you uh, might as well get the party out, too. Okay, and I'll be downtown shortly. All right, Petey. Where were we? Matilda Cragg. Yeah. Well, let me, let me uh, set you up on the details first. The money arrived a little early, about uh, 25 to 12. And that's the motive for the murder, huh? No, sir, it ain't. That dough was piled up on the table here when we found him. Nice as you please. Well, if not money, then why do you well, think... search me. Anyway, about, uh, oh, quarter to twelve, we get the call downtown reporting this thing. Call from whom? Matilda Cragg. We do it with the siren blasting all the way, and we're here in five minutes. We find the door locked, so we jimmy our way in, and there he is, just like you saw him. Dead. He's back to the entranceway, and Matilda keeled over by the phone. Slugged? No, no, fainted. Turned out to be a heart attack, as a matter of fact. 
Anyway, we bring her to, and she straightens us out on some of the facts, and then we pile her off to the hospital where she is now, incommunicado. And what were these facts? Very meager. Miss Cragg decides to come down to see if Thorndyke needs anything before she retires for the night, you see? She comes in here, she finds him, just like you saw him. She phones into the cops, she keels over, and that's the deal, period. The dough was delivered at 25 to 12. By the way, where is the dough? I sent it downtown to our property clerk, safekeeping. Okay, dough delivered 25 to 2. She finds him at a quarter to, which means he was killed within that 10-minute period, right? Right. Those girls been in the house all that time? Yeah, each in her respective room. So one of them's your murderer. Or Matilda Cragg. Well, one of the four of them. You, uh, talk to the dames upstairs? Yes, nothing. Each one clams, each one denies, each one professes no motive. Where do they live, uh, dresses and stuff? Ah, that's a thing. One lives in Madrid, one in Paris, and the one from Brooklyn was living in Hollywood when Thorndyke discovered her. What have you told them? How much do they know? Well, they don't know nothing except that the guy was stabbed to death. That's all the information they're going to get until I'm ready to question. Meantime, they all stay put like they are and keep denying like they're doing. Think I can see them? Think I can stop you? Upstairs, Parker introduces you to the cast of suspects. And a beautiful cast it is. First is Miss Brooklyn, blonde as a Viking, blue-eyed and ruby-lipped. My name is Joan Hallam, and I don't know nothing from nothing. I don't know who killed him or why he was killed. And I would consider it a special favor if you two baboons got out of here and left me alone. Charlie. Next you go calling on Miss Madrid. Raven hair pulled to a bun in the back and black eyes with more flash than a swindler on the make in Monte Carlo. I am Lola Granada. I am shocked and all broken inside. I have nothing, nothing to say. I wish to be alone. Please, please. Charming. And then Miss Paris. Red hair, green eyes, and a figure like the figure eight, but, oh, so much more attractive. I am Louise Dupré. Oh, it is Peter, Peter... A chambre, n'est-ce pas? Oh, this is so great a surprise. I am charmed. It is my delight. Double charming. You met her last year in Paris when she was dancing in the Foley's Berger. You just didn't connect the name. You were there on a case, and this had all the makings of a great romance when, as luck would have it, the case was over and you were yanked back to the States. Oh, tiens, my handsome Peter. Mon cher, this is so true, a delight, so unexpected. Hey, what the devil is going on here? We are old friends, my dear. Um, Uh, Lieutenant. uh, We, commissioner. Yes, you know who this is? This is Peter Chambre, the one true great detective of all the United Uh, States. Uh, He must have told you that himself, Oh, yes, he did. The one Peter Chambre, the great detective. All right, all right, all right. Well, yeah. Oh, now look, my one true great detective of all the United States. Oh, look, Louis, you don't understand. You see, I was in Paris last year. The Louis, one I... great detective. Louis, I'm trying to explain to you. I will I... talk to him. I will talk to him alone. I do not trust another. I am in a strange country. I will talk to him. But not here. Outside, in the rear, is a garden by the ocean, by the beautiful East River Ocean. There I will talk to him. <laughs> Well, what have you got to lose, Lieutenant? Commissioner, I will talk to him, to the Peter Chambre. Okay. Okay, go talk to him. And so, outside in the garden, with a cool breeze coming over the uh, East River Ocean, 
She puts her arms around you and kisses you. But from the way she kisses you, you know she's worried. Before you can ask her, she says it. Oh, I am so worried, Peter. I am very much distressed. Uh, you tell me, honey. You tell the great detective of all the United States. My knife. It is missing. Uh-oh. What's with the knife? It is in my family, an heirloom. We have had it many years, but it is gone. Since when? I do not know. I showed it to the girls when we came here two days ago. Then I put it in my bureau drawer. Then I did not look again until the police came and told us about, about poor Byron. They told us he was, oh, how you say it, uh, stuck. Stooped? No, stuck, uh, stuck, stuck. Ah, uh, stuck. Then quickly I look. My knife, she's not there. Well, did you tell the police? I was afraid I am in a strange country. They will think that Look, perhaps they're going to find out sooner or later. So, if they find, then I will speak. Perhaps they do not find, then I have no need to speak. Look, Louise, you didn't kill him, I hope. Oh, no, not I. Peter, you will protect me. You will protect poor little Louise. You will not be sorry. Louise will appreciate oh. so like oh, no, no, this. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh -huh. You're a little premature in the appreciation department. Easy. <laughs> True. You are correct. You have any ideas on Byron Thorndyke? Oh, he was a bad man. Well, that's an idea. Where'd you get that from? No, from Miss Brooklyn, Jean Allen. You mean she didn't like him? Oh, she loved him. So, uh, that makes him a bad man? Oh, it is so. I am the prettiest. I know I am going to win. I tell this to Joan. She agrees, but she does not No, agree. no, slowly, honey, slowly. You're committing mayhem on your English. She agrees, and she does not. Agree. Well, how do you work that one out? <laughs> she agrees that I am the prettiest, but she does not agree that I will win. She tells me that she loves Byron and that Byron loves her, and it is all how you say um, in the bag that she will win. Oh, a fix, huh? Even in a beauty contest. Fix? What is this, a fix? Oh, you skip it, honey. Huh? Okay, I skip. So that is how I know he is a bad man. Now, look, this Joan Hallam, she's told the cops that she lives in Hollywood. Do you know anything about that? Well, once when we are together in Los Angeles, she tells me of a little room she has in Brooklyn. She says never to tell anyone because it is so poor and small. She says she still keeps it because it is so inexpensive, even though she lives in Hollywood, just in case she has to come back east. She was having so much wine that night. I do not think she even remembers that she told me. Did she give you the address? Oui. Uh, two, six... 262 Hoyt Street. Hoyt Street? Hoyt Street? Oh, you mean Hoyt Street. That's what I said, Hoyt Street. Yeah, that's what you said. Ground floor back. Is in Brooklyn, no? Is in Brooklyn, yes. So now, Peter, I have told you all because I am so afraid. You must help me, and then when it is all over, believe me, Louise will not forget. Louise will remember. Regretfully, you leave Louise, but you hope there will be a better moment when all her worries are dissipated. You accompany Parker to the Belmore Hospital, where you sit outside in the white wall corridor while he interviews Matilda Cragg. You sit for a long time until finally he comes out. Well, I think we can eliminate her, Pete. Matilda, why? My boys have checked her thoroughly. She's known Thorndike a long time, sort of a secretary in his agency, and he's been very good to her. She's got a bad heart. He's paid for doctors, treatments, past ten years. 
Well, at least she could straighten you out on his background. Uh-uh, she's no help there. He kept his personal life to himself. What about those dames out at his house? Does she have any ideas as to who might have stuck that thing into her boss? That's why I came out for you. She heard mention of a threat. By whom? Lola Granada. Miss Madrid? Mm-hmm. Well, now, how did it happen? Come on in and listen. Softly now. Miss Craig? Yes. Yes, Lieutenant. Hi, sweetie. Oh, Mr. Chambers. Miss Craig, uh, tell us about that argument now, will you please? You feel strong enough? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. It was two days ago. Miss Hallam was in Miss Granada's room. The door was open and I was dusting outside and I could hear. Miss Hallam was speaking. Miss Hallam was saying... Look, Lola, I don't want to tread on anybody's toes. I'm telling you the truth, so help me. I don't care if you're jealous or you're not jealous. I'm telling you the truth. I'm supposed to win this contest hands down. Byron Thorndyke told me he was stuck on me. Told me he was in love with me. Then he was lying. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe yes, my dear Joan. Neither you or Louise will win. Only I. There is $50,000 to be paid and he will keep it in the family. He will pay it to his wife. Wife? Yes, I am his wife. We are married in Los Angeles. Why the... I don't believe it. No? Then look at this. A marriage certificate. Do you see, John? Yeah. I see. And I don't want you playing around with my man. Is that clear? Or he with you. And I have told him that. I have told him, if it continues, I will kill him. I am not accustomed to this and I will not have it. And now that I have told you, please to get out of here. Please get out. Quickly! Okay, okay. Don't let that Latin temper of yours get the best of you. I've got a temper of my own, you know. Byron Thorndyke. And that dirty, miserable dog. And... Uh... And that was what I heard. I didn't mention it, not to anyone. I'm not one to gossip. But now, in these circumstances... All right, Miss Craig, all right now. Easy, huh? Put your head back on the pillow. Nurse. It's the middle of the night now. Parker's gone down to headquarters for a workout with his laboratory men, and you're dying to go to sleep, but you've got one more little chore to do. Two six two six two Hoyt Street turns out to be a ramshackle brownstone with ash cans on the sidewalk. Ground floor back is a flimsy door that has no resistance to your gentle ministrations. Inside, there's lots of accumulated dust. But there's also signs of a recent entry, like a newspaper with yesterday's date. You give the joint a quick going over, which isn't much of a job. And then out of an old, musty trunk, you come up with something which isn't musty at all. That does it for you, and you get out of there. Next afternoon, you're at the house on Sutton Place. Parker's got the ladies in Lola Granada's room, and he's jabbing left hooks. But you know Parker, he's holding back that haymaker. Possibly because he's got no haymaker to throw. But he's wearing them down, the three of them. Now you, Miss Paris, Louise Dupre, that knife belongs to you, no question. That's a French knife made in France, one of them antique deals. But, Commissioner... It's Lieutenant. Oh, certainly. 
But it does not mean I have used the knife to kill. Only fingerprints on it are yours, lady. Well, it belongs to her. Whose fingerprints should be on it? Look, who invited you here? You did, Lieutenant. We're sort of working hand and glove on this thing. Glove. Now, there's a pretty word. Whoever stuck that steel into him probably did use gloves. These uh, ladies equipped with gloves? Yeah, all of them. So a gloved hand would keep the culprit's fingerprints off and keep Miss Dupre's fingerprints on. Okay. Well, let's get to you, Miss Madrid. Lola Granada with a Latin temper. Brooklyn here's been keeping her trap closed, but you, Miss Granada, were heard to threaten Thorndyke. In her presence. Any comment, Miss Granada? I did not kill him. That you said too many times. Any other comment? Only once again, I wish to report the loss of my marriage certificate. It was stolen. Marriage, marriage. We're working on a murder case. It might be pertinent, Lieutenant. Are you still here? Why don't... Pertinent how? Because it was stolen by the murderer. Ah. And I suppose you know who that is, too. Of course I do. Here, let me point a finger. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And it comes out... You. Joan Hallam? Me? You, Miss Joan Hallam, you stole that marriage certificate. I did not. Oh, you deny it, huh? I certainly do. All right, I'll show you the missing marriage certificate. See, I'll dig it out of my pocket. Take a look. What about it? Guess where I found it. Where? Where did you find it? 26262 Hoyt Street, ground floor back. But how? How, how could you? Honey, you were put on a spot. What are you talking You've about? You've been put on a spot by Thorndyke himself. The lieutenant's been holding on to you, sweetie. He couldn't. Thorndyke scribbled your name. He couldn't. He scribbled your name when he saw you come in with a knife in your hand. He couldn't. He couldn't. His back was turned. He was seated with his back to the... Oh. And that, my dear lieutenant, is what is known as cooking your own goose. Nobody knew that he had his back to the door, Miss Hallam, except Miss Cragg, the police, and the murderer. It's talking time, Miss Hallam. Okay, okay, I killed him. That's one rat that deserved it. I had a contract waiting for me in Hollywood, but he talked me into this. Told me it was a sure thing that I'd win this contest. Told me he loved me. Anything to get this thing rolling for him. Look at all the publicity it gave him. All the business and for free. Because he figured to keep that 50 G's in his own family. That phony rat was going to fix it so his own wife, Lola, would win that contest. When did you make up your mind to kill him, Miss Hallam? When I caught him in the final lie. And what was that? I talked to him yesterday morning. I told him what Lola had told me, that they were married. Even then, he brazened it. Told me he wasn't married to Lola. When I threw him the bit about the marriage certificate, he told me that that was a phony. So I hooked it. I had a lawyer call L.A. and check it. It was the McCoy. Well, that was it. I sneaked Louise's knife from a drawer, and I waited for my chance. And that was that. Parker cleans up the loose ends, and your case is closed. And that evening, Louise Dupre descends upon you. And with a cool breeze wafting over from the uh, East River Ocean and a couple of highballs clinking ice, you have a declaration from the beautiful Miss Paris. Ah, the true great detective of all the United States. In appreciation, Louise bestows a kiss like so. And in appreciation of your appreciation, the true great detective of all the United States bestows a return kiss. Like so. Ah, 
Even at home, Barry was never like this. And there you've had crime and Peter Chambers. Dane Clark starred as Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers transcribed was created and written by Henry Kane. Others in the cast were Bill Zuckert, heard as Lieutenant Parker, Marion Carr as Miss Cragg, and Anita Anton as Louise Dupree. It was directed by Fred Way. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.